Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of the Premier League and the Champions League. I'm Robbie Musto and he's Robbie Earl. Here are today's topics. Chelsea and Manchester United's 1-1 draw at Stamford Bridge and what the imminent arrival of Ralph Ranić as interim manager means for United's future. Plus, Man City's impressive display in the Etihad snow taking all three points from West Ham. Liverpool continuing their run of form with a 4-1-4-0 win over Southampton. Arsenal finding their footing in the second half against Newcastle and key victories for Aston Villa, Leicester and Brentford. All that coming up in today's episode. Okay, Robbie Earl, my friend, uh, mm-hmm. back at home, weekend off the studio duties for you. Um, yeah, very we are nice, going to start, you? of course, with Chelsea versus, Man- Chelsea versus Manchester United. Finished 1-1. Um, wow, I had a little bit of everything in the game. Mm. Um, what's your initial thoughts on, on what you saw at Stamford Bridge? Um, decent result for Manchester United. Decent performance from Manchester United. I have to say, good result for Man City and Liverpool, but that's by the by. Um the team looked like an Ollie team that's been set up with a plan where they were going to be deep, where they were going to put bodies behind the ball, where they were going to counter-attack with that pace from the wide areas. This time it was Rashford and Sancho in the wide areas. We've seen Martial's, I think we've seen Lingard's yeah. and, and people in the past. Um, and it was a well-deserved point for Manchester United, despite not controlling the ball as much as they would like, having possession as much as they like, not maybe creating as much as they like. I thought there was a spirited performance that probably deserved the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think that their best and biggest goal scorer, Cristiano Ronaldo, started on the bench today, um, a couple of big decisions by Michael Carrick. One midweek when he left Bruno out in the Champions League. One today when... Headline, obviously, everywhere was that Ronaldo started on the bench. Yet he got performance, he got a, a point, and I thought there was things to work on from a Manchester United point of view when, to be honest, I feared for them a little bit going to Chelsea, feeling if Chelsea hit good form, this could end up 2-3 or 4. I think when you saw the game unfold, Rob, with the tactical plan of, of Michael Carrick, and mm-hmm. as you just talked about Rashford and Sancho kind of playing as, as split strikers, really, you can then understand why Ronaldo didn't start because yeah. as mm. part of that responsibility is to come back and help out defensively, which isn't Ronaldo's best, um, you know, best asset, if you like. Bruno was this kind of really, really false nine, really, really mm. deep. So I understood it at that, that point. It's a very, it is a brave call. And when you get a point, it's kind of justified. Yeah, Ronaldo could have played and did come on in the second half to play one of those wide mm. split striker role. And it kind of worked out okay, I suppose. Um, though I think it was 1-0 when he came on and, the, and then Chelsea scored to make it yeah. 1-1. Not his fault, yeah. of course, but mm. no, I thought it was I, I thought it was spirited. You know, I don't think it, it changes much about what I feel for the team and for the coaching staff. Um, we could have seen that, as you said, from, from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. It doesn't mean in the next week or the two, three or four weeks that things are going to get a lot better. What I would say, Rob, and I, and I know we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit on the two clubs, mm. I, I still think in the big picture, the, the grand scheme of things, Man United fans deserves probably the wrong, would, would like a, a better showing. Like, they, they want to be more competitive, Rob, more proactive. Like it should be a closer game in terms of possession. I think it was 17 shots to one yeah, in, inside from inside the box. The yeah. box. Yeah. So, and again, I don't disagree. A fair result, spirited, great defending. But the the new interim coach, Ralph Ranić, and it's pretty sure it's going to be him. Do you think over the short, certainly to medium term, he'll want this team with this squad to go toe-to-toe and say, you know what, you chase the ball a little bit. We're going to bring our threats the way that we do things more than we're kind of reacting to where you are and we set up to be reactive and to counterattack. Am I, you yeah. know what I mean? They, they, should United yeah. be better than what they were today, I guess, in the medium term? I think so, because I still think if we go back to our opening transfer deadline show and our, our first early predictions, mm. we talked of Man- Manchester United being one of four teams who can win the title. And I don't think we should jump away from that because things haven't started well. The potential within this group, players being organised, players playing near the top of their game, the, the other, it's happening in the other sides, then Manchester United can. And, and you're right. You know, Manchester United shouldn't feel that they have to be 
Wolves, that they have to be Everton. They have to be a team that, that plays one of the big two or three and we, we have to just sit back and not have yeah. possession. Manchester yeah. United have to be a team that yeah. go, OK, these are the big days. It's us VU. Let, let's go for it. Like we saw a brilliant game early in the season, Manchester City-Liverpool, where both teams wanted the ball, where both teams hurt each other and both teams went toe-to-toe on level footing. Right. I, I think it, it's that Manchester United need to get back to level footing of the other three best teams in the league because at the moment they're, they're a little step below. They're, they're in the group that are below that, that if the big three have big days, they'll, they'll, they'll beat you. Mm. We'll jump back to Man United, Rob, and we talk about the manager and coach today mm. and the future manager. But let's just jump to Chelsea. Yeah. I think Thomas Tuchel, love the way he speaks, by the way, because it's always mm. honest. It's always kind of, you know, end up sort of nodding your head. I think he realised today he had no regrets about what, how, how no. he picked the side and how they play. But I think just, just reading between the lines a little bit, they weren't at their best today, Rob, were they? No. Or, or was no. it down a credit to United and how they set up? I thought Chelsea were a little surprised, quite honestly, at the mm. start of how... United were, because it was kind of different. They tried to force the wing-backs to stay back, Rob, yeah. um, which they didn't. You know, And, and Reese James went forward. Alonso came back into like a pseudo back four. Mm-hmm. Don't need to get into to the, to too much detail of all that stuff. Um, they didn't really show that dynamic, thrusting, like creative Chelsea that we've seen over recent matches. No. But but what they did do, Rob, and, and I suppose, um, and, and we do, we will instantly make contrast between two, is they still showed that a team structure, that team organisation, even when you don't play well, right, can right. get you something in games. Yeah. Manchester United, when they don't have a structure, lose two, three or four. Chelsea today, their structure was right. There's a, there's, I read, I think I said on the podcast the other day, I read somewhere that he's not been in charge of the football club 12 months yet, Rob. No. Yeah. You, there's an ingrained understanding of what this team's about. Now, they didn't play well today, and that's the reason that, that they didn't win the game. Created more chances. hudson Adoy could change the, the, the outlook of the game if he takes his, yeah, his chance. Start, yeah. Timo Werner, Rob, for me, I'm starting to get the point where I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm starting to be not sure. The team looks less threatening when he plays in that central role. It doesn't look to me like he's going to score a goal. I'm going to be surprised if he does, and that's a bit of a worry mm. for a centre-forward. Um, and, and they weren't as creative as they have been in, in, in the attacking third, where they're chill while not playing and, and just mm. that, that balance on, on either side. You know, Alonso came in for his first game for a while and getting up to speed. Uh, uh, Loftus-Cheek didn't have as big an influence, maybe, as, as, as you'd like to see. And they never quite... I just never thought they quite got it going, but... Mm. They probably got the penalty deservedly out of possession. They probably deserved the point out of the way they played and their set up, but not at, 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 their, at their best, um, where we've seen them in recent weeks. But happy enough to take a point. And you're right, Thomas Tuchel doesn't kid us as, as, as the viewing public. Doesn't I don't think would kid his own team. I think he, he he's one of them managers who you kind of might not like all what he says, but he's pretty honest and pretty truthful and pretty to the point. Jorginho's error, Robbie Earl. What should he have done differently? I thought he could have, as the as the ball's coming, he's trying to like do that, that one control on, on, on his foot and bring it down and, and look to play. I thought he could have looked to kind of, you know, you sometimes turn away with the ball, Rob, as you take it and turn away from the attackers who are coming at you. A, that gives you a little bit of protection on the ball if somebody's coming. And B, it gives you enough Bigger margin for error. If your touch isn't good, as long as it's going back towards the keeper and you can get there first, the others, are, the, the the two attacking players, uh, Rashford and Sancho, are never going to catch you up. I thought he he backed his ability and maybe listen, maybe if I had his ability, I might have done the same. But I would have been thinking, I've got to take this back towards my goal, and if I need to, use my goalie, protect it, safety. I mean, was there? Could he have just like gone the safest? Route and just headed the thing back. Well, getting height, back into back getting into, back the, in. into I, the box. I think he was facing so. awkward. Like, yeah. Might have been not facing the right way. A little bit awkward. Mm. I mean, the ball kind of, kind of does come really quick in that situation. I've been back in that situation yeah. actually many times. I used to stay back sometimes for corners. I don't know. I mean, it's just a hard. And we actually did break down. There was a couple of Chelsea players, and this happens a lot actually, where they were goal side of those two runners, Sancho and yeah. Rashford, but yeah. just thought he would deal with it back there. Yeah, because he's got, got caught out. Managed. And got caught yeah. out. Um, yeah. Which is going to happen. It's, it's an individual area. You can't really legislate for that. And yeah. 
probably nine times out of ten, he brings it down and picks out a pass or, you know, keeps possession. He didn't. And fair play to, to Jaden Sancho just on that one, Rob. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, found a little bit of life and had the confidence. And he, he went a long way, had a lot to think yeah. of. And I'm wondering at one time, is he going to pass it? But he believed in himself, sent a little dummy into Mendy and found the mm. back of the net. And mm. um, fair play mm. to him, you know, two and two um, to, to give, bring United, uh, give United the lead. Let's just jump back to the, the coaching situation at Man United, Rob. And just a point I want to ask you about, because mm. me and Tim kind of went back and forth a little bit this weekend. And, and you know, like what Ranjek can do and how yeah. long it's going to take him to improve the team. Now, mm. I think Tim's point was, well, just think of Liverpool. New manager came in, took a long time to kind of get the team to a point where they yeah. started winning yeah. stuff. And I came back to say, well, yes, I, I agree with that. But what about, and this is why it's interesting now, Thomas Tuchel. He came to mm. a club, Rob. Mm. And I think I saw a uh, pundit in the UK on radio say, all oh, this kind of managers need time is a load of baloney. Thomas Tuchel's blown out of the water. You're, you're a sensible, smart, clever coach. You can go into the club, you can reorganize, restructure, and you're at it straight away. Mm. I, I tend to think that's more possible with this United squad, given the players. Um, yeah. if, it's, if, if the squad isn't up to it, like maybe like uh, Conte at Spurs, it takes longer. But based on the players he has in the squad, is it more like Chelsea possibilities for a new coach effect or more like a Spurs or a Liverpool for you? I think it's more like Chelsea. I, I'd agree, though. I think the, 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 the difference between the two is, is the quality of the player you're going in and, 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 and mm. the, 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 the basis of the squad that you've got, the balance sometimes of the squad that you've got. But I think we all... Listen, I can back in a, bit, a cigarette packet right down the Manchester United team that we feel on a good day playing well could win anybody could win against mm. anybody in the league because mm. they got those kind of players. Now, if Ranić comes in with and all the things we've read, and I'm, we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail, but all the things you read in terms of philosophy, his coaching style, the way he works, what he wants to drill into players, makes me think that with that structure added to the quality that's in the group, this could happen a little bit quicker than we mm. think. This could start to look a lot better, a lot quicker than we, than we think. And that's one of the reasons, Rob, why I was for... It's, it's, all, it's all his time's up. He's gone so far because he's had three years of trying to put that structure in place with quality players, and it's not worked. I'd just mm. like to see... And, and now we'll know. This guy, I believe, well, at this stage, he's got six months between now and the summer... I think by the end of the season, we will see a different-looking Manchester United. I'm not going to say that by any means they're going to win the league, but I think we'll get a, a more competitive, more understanding Manchester United of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it in games. I think in our last podcast, Rob, I think we kind of went through a few names that were up for it for Man United, and we didn't yeah. know at that point. Mm. Maybe the next day it became apparent it's going to be Ralph Ranić, mm. And of course... You know, we know a little bit about him and what he's done. Yeah. But, of course, you start doing a lot of digging around and you, far, yeah. you start looking at stuff and you start reading stuff. You start listening to stuff and mm. taking a deeper dive. Given that and given what we know about the guy and given what we know about the football club and where it has been under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah. I'm like, this is kind of ideal. This is an ideal person right now. It, twofold, in two ways. Immediate, short-term, coaching yeah. the team to be better. Coaching yeah. the team to play as a team to be better. And then longer term, coaching the club to be better, Robbie Earl. Yeah. And that bit is as exciting as anything that they might have somebody here that has built clubs from nothing to top end of the Bundesliga and, and hired coaches and mentored coaches and taught coaches. Um, I, I think, the, so a six-month contract as a coach and then two-year yeah. consultancy deal, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me your, your take on what you feel about that and, and what you hope might happen in the future with him? I, I actually think the two-year consultancy is more important than the six months what we're getting. For, for a long time, Rob, uh, and I, I was thinking about it this morning as I was, I was thinking about a podcast, this is one of the first grown-up adult decisions Manchester United have made. Yeah. There's no fanfare. There's no Messiah. There's no Manchester United NDA. There's no buzzwords that everybody's going to jump onto. It's a hard-nosed, joined-up, forward-thinking decision by a man who will help the team in the short term, yeah. 
But wholesale change the club, possibly, Rob, in the long term, will start to build a structure. We'll start to work with whoever comes in. We'll start to put scouting network in place, a coaching management in place. Make sure the academy is aligned to the first team and the under-23s and all things. Make sure people are going out, out on loan to the right places so when they come back, they can... All those things that weren't happening at this great, great football club can start to happen because they've made one adult, grown-up appointment. Let me just chuck this in. And it is something that, that Danny Higginbottom, had a, as a conversation with him today, saw him here, did a, mm. did a game commentary today. Yeah. Um, he talked about the hierarchy of Man United, Rob, don't want to give up the power. I'll throw it back to you. Hmm. Man United hierarchy have given him a two-year consultancy. What Correct. does that mean, by the way? I'll tell you what it means, in my opinion. It means hmm. that, well, listen to what you think about what we should do, but you're consulting. You're not given the power to go and do that. That's what worries me, Rob. I hope, right, that between hmm. now and the end of the season, or the next six months, the team looks better, there's a good reaction from the team, and the club mm -hmm. enjoys what he's talked about, what he brings, his ideas about yeah. developing the club, yeah. and say to him at the end of the six months, you know what, you know, whether they finish in the top four or whatever, we want you to be director of football of this club. We want you yeah. to be the expert of this club mm -hmm. and everything else, like you just said, Rob, the youth, um, the scouting network, the youth uh, department, the the recruitment side of things, yeah. the structure, the tactical kind of blueprint for the club, like you see yeah, in yeah. The, the noisy neighbours of Manchester City, but the consultancy thing worries me that the Edward Woods and the Graham Arnolds, whoever it is, are going to are going to use them as a consultant. Not enough mm. for me, Rob. Is that a bit wishy washy? Um, listen, job title, I, I don't know. Mentality. This is how I'd put it, Rob. The Glazer family who own the own the business continue to get horrendous stick more often than not, quite rightly, because of the way they run the football club. Edward would continue to get. Unbelievable stick for the way he runs a football club. If they find a guy who can take some of that away from him, yes. can make a successful football club, yes. I don't care what he's called. If he's called Ralph Ranick, my best mate, Ralph Ranick, my buddy, I don't care what his title is. As long as he's in place doing the job, titles, who, who cares? EVP, supporting director. If he's a sporting director in name, but he hasn't got the title, but he's running the football side of the business... Because if he starts to be successful, Rob, if we start to see Manchester United take the kind of steps they need to yeah. take to get back, they ain't letting him go anywhere. Mm. They, they'll give him whatever title he wants. He can be king of Manchester, it, it, by, by all mm. accounts, if he starts to live in. That's where mm. I, I'm less worried. I think if he, if he starts to be successful, this football club haven't got enough good football brains around them to, to be thinking, mm. ah, let's push this guy at the side. Mm. We'll, we'll keep talking, Rob, about him yeah, as he goes forward. Yeah, and Rebecca made a good point today with chatting with Rebecca about it. She said, well, you know, what if he stays for six months with his philosophy and then Pochettino mm. comes in with a different philosophy? You know, let, let's figure that out as it goes along. I, I'm, I tend to hope for the club that he improves the team immediately mm. and mm. his vision for yeah. what, how the club should be set up is appreciated by those to say, you know what, you're going to be our director of football, Edward Wood or, or Graham Arnold, your director of commercial and Ralph Ranjek is going gonna, is gonna to be the expert on the football side to try and bring some continuity to the team. I think we all, as neutrals, Rob, want a good Manchester United. Of course It's we better do. for the league. It's better for, for us as, as broadcasters. It's better for English football that there's a good Manchester United. And that's what we want. Just before we move on, and, and I don't want to get ahead of things, because I just felt in what was a tumultuous week for Manchester United, if you think from Ollie's sort of um, sacking to... Everything else that's gone on, was he leaving? He's goodbye to the to the fans and the players. Michael Carrick being given the job. I just thought in a week of Champions League football where they needed to win a game, big game against Chelsea where everyone was saying they've got no chance. I yep. just want to leave a little nod of the heart to Michael Carrick, a young coach who's been thrown in at one of the biggest clubs in, in the world with a huge spotlight on him with lots of pressure, everybody having an opinion of who should be taking the job, who should be playing in Manchester United's team, what the best 11 are, why Sancho isn't playing, why Van der Beek's not been playing, where should Pogba be, etc, 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 etc. This fella's gone in very quietly, as he does, uh, very understated, gone about his business, got the result in Villa, Villarreal, dropping Bruno, uh, was a big call, comes to Chelsea, sets his team up, 
Loved his interview after the game, Rob, where he talked about his front three, yeah. dropping yeah. in, taking the game yeah. central, working in those wide areas, having a plan. McTominay taking Hudson to do when he wanted not to to disrupt the back line. Just, you know, obviously planned, worked, got um, got his result in the end. Would have wanted more possession, of course, as a player himself wants the ball. But I just thought it shouldn't have gone unnoticed. That that's, it's been a tough week and it could have been a difficult week. And this week could look very different for Ralph Ranjit coming in, struggling in the Champions League, not, not through, just got hammered by Chelsea and he's got to pick everybody up. So I, I just thought... It, Michael Carrick deserves my underappreciated uh, performer of the week for sort of bringing carrying Manchester United to a yeah. really difficult week um, and handing on if it looks like Thursday, you know, Ralph Ranić going to get his first game against Arsenal, handing mm. on um, a decent and uh, a team in, in better fettle than, than certainly it was a week ago. Lovely shout, bit of love for for Michael Carrick, underappreciated mm-hmm. manager. Don't get those too often. So very good shout, mate. Let's must move it on. Um, it's been a long mm-hmm. time there on, on Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, to the other team, Manchester City yeah. against West Ham United. Really, really great looking matchup mm-hmm. at the top of the Premier League. West Ham, of course, in great form. Uh, yeah. The snow was amazing. Um, <laughs> there was an influence in the game. Uh, Man City won the game. Robbie Earl two one. Uh, goals from Mirko Gundogan back on the goals uh, from midfield mm. for him and Fernandinho a substitute in the second half. Uh, yeah. A late goal, a really nice goal from uh, Mamo Lanzini. Um, but I, I just, again, it added to my admiration of this Man City side because I'll be honest with you, before the game started, I see the snow coming down and the pitch getting covered with snow and I'm like, this kind of should help West Ham in terms of the ball being a little bit slow, you know, kind of cold, snowing. They can make it a little scrappy. But it wasn't the case. Man City's football, like, it's so automatic now that they, whatever's going on around them or underneath them or on the weather or the pitch or whatever, they just have their patterns. They all know what they're doing. Yeah, there was rotation. Jesus started mm. wide. Morris started as a yeah. false nine. They switched yeah, over yeah. again in the, in the game. Uh, I just thought it was more impressive Man City to, like, forget about the conditions. We'll play our football and we'll find ways to win. I thought they were very, very good again. Biggest criticism for City was they didn't bring out an orange ball. I just thought it was <laughs> orange ball in the snow. That might have given West Ham a chance. But you're right. Uh, you looked at the game and, and thought, well, you know, it's a West Ham team are well set up, definitely based uh, with great counter-attack, blessed with the kind of players. Uh, West Ham went a little bit different with, with the setup, put uh, yeah. Masuaku and next to um, on, on the left-hand side. Yeah, midfield. Um, uh, with Rice in, in Suchek Central. Ben Rama on, on one side, on, underneath uh, Mikel and, and Antonio. Um, so it, it was a little bit different, but as ever, you were right. I loved your line. I thought it was a lovely line that, that they can almost play blindfold, blindfolded football because it is very much like as you get the ball, it's almost like there's a, there's a trained pattern of play yeah. that we know where this next one, we know where this next one, and they just work those things. And I've got to be honest, Rob, I, I was close Michael Carrick's had a great week. I was close to giving Pat my underappreciated performer of the week, only because we we we, we take for granted what they do and how they well, do we, it. We talked about it, Rob. We had our opening we, chat on the broadcast was yeah. that same topic. I think we we spent too much time together. Said Rebecca, said yeah, yeah. You know, like watching them again against PSG, like then I've played some good stuff. So yeah, we had that yeah. conversation that you're talking about today. Oh, okay. I, th- yeah, I think yeah. I think I think you're right. It's like. Mm. It's such, it's so like the three different, the three wins, three different yeah. lineups. Yeah. Still the same football. And, and for the, uh, the Gundawa, the Gunduan goal, Robert. Oh, yeah. Players like, like wanting to yeah, tap well, the ball. The yeah. They yeah. all know what they're trying to do mm-hmm. wide, cross, tap ins. Um, but no, not to, to interrupt you, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I appreciate yeah. the point. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, and, and, as you, you, you show quite nicely how West Ham were working with those four quite narrow, centrally, good distances between. So what does City do? Work it, work it one side. Bang it out to this side tomorrow as who's free because everybody's gone narrow. He has time to go in there. And these the, the, the four midfield players in there. That was reminiscent of last season. That was reminiscent of Gundogan getting his 13-goal yeah. Premier League goals last season. And... The biggest compliment I can give Pep, if after any Manchester City game, if we're not mentioning strikers and false nines, Pep, mm. you've had a good day. Because yeah. the, the world, the, the football world wants to say, oh, they can't win it this year without a striker. And he's going to show us that, listen, if he doesn't, he's going to go close winning it. 
and I, and I and I read something a little bit ominous today, Rob. So it was this weekend last season that they started their 28-game unbeaten run, 21 victories in those games, which pretty much wrapped them up the title. Yeah. Uh, I think the five straight wins now, five on the bounce all comps, just a game. Listen, this is without Foden, this is without uh, Grealish, this is without KDB. I, I mean, you know, three of your creative, you, you'd, you'd, you'd say in most teams, you know, got to start players. And he's getting performances out of your, your Sterlings and he's getting Gundogan goals. He's getting midfield goals out of Rodri and Fernandinho. So, mm. however they, they need to do it, they're finding a way to get the goals. West Ham United, Robbie, will have lost two on a spin. Um, changed it around today. Thought the mm. idea was great. I did the lineup for him like, oh, what are they gonna, oh this yeah. is kind of different. What are they going to do? They're three at the back. He went with a 4-4-1-1. Yeah. Um, and for a period of time, it worked okay with a narrow midfield. Are you... No, nothing to worry about West Ham, Rob, in terms of what we're seeing over the last couple of matches, like where they hope to be this season. What, what are you thinking? No, I, I'm still good with it. And listen, you've got to go to Manchester City and try something. Because yeah. if you don't, you're going to get there. You're going to go beat. And for a while, it, it was slowing City down. It wasn't making it easy for, for certain peers. Till the goal goes in. Once the goal goes in, then it changes everything a little bit. But they had a couple of chances. Remember, Mikel Antonio go, gets wide and transfers the ball into yeah. Ben Rahm, who made a bad touch. So they did have the one or two chances and they get the goal in the end for, for now. So nothing major to worry about. Again, off European week, the West Ham continue to, to play well, give a good count of themselves. So mm. disappointing that Bonner's out for the season because he just builds yeah. building up a good relationship with, with Kurt Zuma. Yeah. You know, all those little rhythms and relationships. Not that Craig Dawson doesn't do an admiral's job, but just felt there was a little bit of continuity starting at the back. Mm. So um, a little bit disappointing for, for, for West Ham on that one. But now two defeats. Listen, West Ham are, are, are doing, they're a bit like the Brighton, who we'll talk about a little bit later. You yeah. know, absolutely nothing but credit for the manager and, and the group of players. Yeah, still sitting fourth place, Robbie, after 13 mm. uh, matches yeah, on, on goal difference. Start, so fair yeah. play to them. Um, let's move on to the other team of, in terms of the, the top three at the moment we haven't talked about so far. Liverpool played Saturday. Um, yeah. I watched this game, Rob, against Southampton. Cool. Cool. You know, two two managers that did their coaching licenses together. Uh, highly, highly respected uh, in German football. Um, Four 0 to Liverpool. Wow. I mean, as 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 grooved and as as uh, skillful and incisive and punishing as they've been for a while, Rob, with the goals mm. that they scored mm. and another performance in Liverpool. It's like wow. Going forward, they are the team to watch right now. Four goals at home, no Mo Salah involved. Ten goals in the week across three games, two four nils and a two nil. So uh, non-conceded. I think it's 20 shots in the game, Rob. I mean, in all honesty, after the, what was it, 113 seconds it took Jota to score the goal, pretty much over. They've got a front three, all, I think the top three, not all up there, there's a top three or four scorers in, in the league. Yep. Uh, in Salah, Jota, Mane, you look at... at, at Southampton with Brozier and Adams and Armstrong, just a completely different league of, of, of what you've got at the top end of your pitch, um, as well as playing well and, and, and bringing the energy. I thought they were, I thought they were scintillating at times. Jota could yeah. easily have had his hat trick and enough chances. Um, and, and the one I want to focus on, Rob, is Thiago, who came into this team. Um, we talked about him. We got excited about him early on the season, and injuries. Didn't quite pick the speed of the Premier League up. And a little bit of, oh, I haven't quite seen the best of him. He scored a brilliant goal midweek. The, mm. the volley that yeah. six inches off the ground, swerves in the met. The bet, more time you see it, the better. Scores the beauty off his left foot, though gets slightly flattened, but the control. And he has, uh, Rob, brought that other dimension that we talked about for, for Liverpool. If they've not got a, a box runner, they've got a guy now who can, who can see that pass and, he can break lines with his passing. He can see the runs. He, he's, he's ahead of the game. He's got the no-look pass on. He, he, he can put things around the corner as those strikers are on the way. If, if they can keep him fit, Rob, and in form next to Hendo and Fabinho, that's a very, very balanced midfield behind a front three and four when you, you put Firmino in there that could fire them to a title could fire them to a time. Yeah, I, I I still think he's... There's a couple of moments where he, 
he just risked the ball a little bit. Yeah, I still it was think a loose one. Yeah, he got a couple of times. Couple square, yeah. Early so on, he's actually, not far yeah. off his best, but I think mm. you know to to get to the to the point where you're saying where well, you want him in the team every week and he's going to be yeah, part of a yeah. title challenge inside. Mm. I don't think he's quite there yet, but yeah, like you, I've seen him from from when he was a super young kid coming through at Barcelona. Um, and, and it was impressive again. And I'll mention him one more time, just uh, Diogo Jota, Rob. I, every, I just think that he's going to be a star for this club for many years to come. Another, another, um, another two goals, the first two goals within 32 mm. minutes from, from uh, Jota. Just a, go- it's a scorer, Rob. He's a scorer. Yeah. Tappins. Tappins. You know, we didn't Six see, miles, yeah. and Firmino is his own way, a brilliant, brilliant footballer. He's been a brilliant player for Liverpool, but we never saw... Firmino consistently tapping goals and get those numbers yeah. up. He's got, I think it is now, Bajotti has got seven Premier League goals in 12 appearances. Mm. That's pretty good. I mean, that's that's a really good strike rate. Not as good as Mo Salah right now. Yeah, that's what good. Firmino so, will get in the season generally though, isn't yeah, it? That's, that's it the kind of it. So, mm. I think everybody's got to be excited about that. A couple of moments defensively, again, a couple of moments. Yeah. Where it's like, well, they could concede here. Um, they didn't, but, uh, you know, it, for the most part, again, I looked at that. I thought about today when I'm, I'm looking Man City, you know, playing through the snow. And I mean, they were great, but yeah. I think when the snow was coming down in Liverpool, thinking, "Oh, this is this is going to be fun." Like we've had our we've got our job done. Um, let's see mm-hmm. how City do and Chelsea do as well. Good result for them again for Chelsea United. Uh, I just thought Liverpool were, yeah. Yeah, were yeah, again yeah. imperious. Uh, they're in super fettle right now and um, very comfortable victory for them. Very comfortable. Yeah. Couple of couple of just other mentions as well on, on the Canute getting another start's important. The more they can get him bedded into to Premier League games and playing, you know, when, knowing when it matters. And and I thought Andrew Robertson was was an yeah. important one. Obviously, there's been a bit of talk about Simicast and was he quite been on form? You know, the Scottish captain, one or two people. I think he was asked this week about you know whether Simicast was was pushing Robertson for a place in the starting lineup. And I think Klopp looked at a couple of press people as if like, really, you know, that your memories are that yeah. short. And I just thought yeah. he he put in a really good performance, helped in the goal, was back to you know. Creating things in the last third, defending properly, aggressive with his tackling. Um, which, listen, but like Trent Alexander Arnold, you know, everybody's going to have a little dip. It's how you come out of those dips and get back to your standards. And he looked like he was he was back to in enjoying his football down that left hand side. Let's move on to another game, Rob, involving a team that we know there's tons of fans in America mm-hmm. and all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's Arsenal, Arsenal Football Club, and a yeah. a new and improved Arsenal for this season, Rob, under Mikel Arteta. The new signings, the new players are starting to gel. Yeah. They're starting to find some rhythm, some consistency. And Newcastle at home was obviously very winnable. Um, yeah. I thought Newcastle United, and they did win the game. And just go through the facts and figures first. 2-0 to, to Arsenal Football Club. Um, mm-hmm. The two 20-year-olds got the goal. Baku, Bukaro Saka in the 56th minute. And then uh, Gabriel Martinelli in the 66th minute. Um, yeah. Newcastle, I thought, for the first half an hour, had good shape. Mm-hmm. Kind of a 4-4-2, wasn't it? With Joelinton just in behind yeah. Callum Wilson. Really tight together. Eddie Howe was pleased with the way that they started the first 30 minutes. And I agree with him. They, they, mm. they sort of started to creak just before half time, yeah. And they couldn't really Liverpool, uh, uh, live with Arsenal in the second half. Arsenal um, could have been tricky this one, Rob. But they, they, look, they look confident now. And it looks like the rhythm and the, the synergy and, the, and the, the way that they're used to playing with each other is starting to pay off. And, and they can win games mm. fairly comfortably. Yeah, and, and, and Mikel Arteta said something to the point after where he was a little disappointed having got the two goals that they didn't go to three or four, they didn't control the game a little bit more. And I was thinking, wow, Eddie Howe would love to be in a position where he's winning a game, can talk about wanting a little bit more because the contrast between the two teams is huge now. And I was thinking, remember the first three games of the season, Arsenal lost all three, no points, and I think see something like nine crisis. goals. It was a crisis, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Newcastle has got one point from their three, but, you know, you're thinking, well, this Newcastle's a slow start. Look at Arsenal now, 17 points, Rob, from 13 games. Newcastle, well, are they six? Six, six points, point, yeah. Six points from, from 13, 13 games. I mean, so that's five points since the first three games of the season. Eddie Howe's got it on, Rob. And, and and while I agreed there was encouragement in the first half, the penalty, I wasn't so sure, uh, to be honest. that it, you know, I can see why they go down and ask a question, but I, I can see why the referee also doesn't give it. Yep. But this team, this team are going to have to start turning half-decent performances into wins. 
Because if that doesn't happen soon, we're, we're going to be in a, in a problem position. They've got Norwich midweek and Burnley both at home next weekend. Massive. Two huge games. Two huge games, Rob. They need to come out with, a, I would say, a minimum four, but I'm talking six points, really. Six points from those games. If they lose one of those games and get in a draw, let's say, in the other, we are in it, my friend. Yeah, we are in I know, it. I know, we are in I it. I know. And the, and the games they got coming up after, I haven't got the list, but it's crazy difficult. After these mm. next two, it's crazy difficult. So you could be in the situation on Boxing Day at Christmas, yeah. mm. bottom of the league table, and we know from there, history says, what, is it yeah. two? Like, is it yeah, two teams? Like West ever... Brom and some, yeah, yeah, Sunderland or somebody, was it? That, yeah. That's ever escaped from mm. being bottom at Christmas. So yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, unthinkable, really, when you think about the, the ownership. That being said, Rob, um, the owners will find new players in January. January the first. Yeah, yeah. January the first, they gotta be they gotta add players and they're gonna overpay for players. Mm. That's gotta be okay. Overpay. Yeah. Be 250 million are they talking? 250 million war chest. I think they're talking. I mean, I think they'll deal with the financial fair play a later mm. time. Yeah. It's a Let's just stay time. up first. Let's yeah. just stay up. But so I, I think they've got to do that. those deals early. Got to like, start yeah. now, start talking. So on January the 1st or close to it, they can bring some new talent in, which will help the team surely uh, improve their... Do we, know who's, do we know who will be targeting that, Rob? Because it's a bit like the Manchester United, isn't it? It's like, OK, Eddie's, you know, we believe all hands on deck on the coaching. I saw a couple of clips of him uh, last weekend on the training ground, which is where he works best and working with players. But you're then thinking, is it Amanda Stavely who's heading up like the, yeah. the player recruitment? You know, who's going to get the players in? That that worries me a little bit. I got to be honest. That worries me if I'm Newcastle. Well, I mean, I think I think right now, I think I'm right in saying we had David Ornstein, our insider, yeah, on our show today, and um, basically, there's no CEO, there's no director mm. of football. They've just appointed a head coach. Amanda Stavely is is it's kind of running crazy. all that kind of stuff. So even though we're saying they got tons of money to spend, yeah, the staff isn't in place really to 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 have an organised approach about this. James mm-hmm. Tarkovsky, the Burnley, Jesse Lingard, Diva Karigi, players that have real quality, and of course Tarkovsky's playing, but Origi and Lingard, there's yeah. got to be others around the Premier League, some of the bigger them. clubs, yeah. but you get them. Give mm-hmm. them a ton of money. You got to give more money than, than yeah. they might expect yeah. to get. And they would let them go, and Newcastle would improve on the back of that. And that's just off the top of my head, just of, of good players, because it ain't going to be. A, it's not going to be a, like amazing. You're not going to get amazing players right now, no, no, no. relegation. But you will get those that want to play. They're real. They're really talented, and they want they more feel money. They're part of, yeah, and they may yeah. feel they're part of something growing up in future. Newcastle because it is going to is going to be a big future. But yeah, they've got yeah. an interesting time coming up at Newcastle as we talk about these next two games. We'll look at those midweek and next week. Norwich and Burnley yeah. almost become must win. Just before we move on, I've got to give him a, a mention out to my mate now, my best mate Aaron Ramsdale. Keep seeing week in, week out now, now my friend, coming up with huge moments. A brilliant the, the, uh, John Joe Shelby save is up there nearly with his Madison one, and then he takes one later low against uh, Shelby as well. You know, just got to say, you know, fair play to him because he, he's known up playing well, brought a bit of confidence, and proving people, including me, wrong because I wasn't sure that was a good buy. I wasn't yeah. sure that he well, was sure a massive upgrade on, yeah. on Bert Leno, but I've got to tell you, you know, fair play to him and Mikel Arteta. Can I just give another? Can I give a final fair play? Fair yeah. play to Bukaru Saka, Rob. At a big mm. game, at a big mm. game was the main threat in the first half. Of course, he does amazingly well for his goal in the second half. And a player that struggled a little bit after the Euros and the summer yeah. to kind of hit that form again. And I thought he was by far, instead of Odegaard and Smith Rowe and Aubameyang, yeah. he was the main man for them and they need that. Martinelli came and took yeah. his goal really well, by the way. Difficult to control that volley. Yeah, lovely finish. Uh, from the ball from Tomiyasu. So good play and, and fair play to mm. Saka as well. A really good match for him. He just got injured as well, Saka, didn't he? I think he's got a scan got, tomorrow, so we're hoping that's that, yeah, that's nothing, yeah. yeah that's, that's nothing too bad. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's those young players at times driving Arsenal as they continue on, on a decent bit of form. Uh, let's move it on to the KP, Leicester versus Watford. Ranieri going back to Leicester for the first time and quite rightly got a brilliant elevation. It was really quite emotional to see him back there with the team that he, um, Mission Impossible, winning the, the Premier League. Yeah. Back in 2016. But it was an important game for both these teams. Leicester got the goals. Jamie, no, no surprise, Jamie Vardy is involved in those as well. Mm. Um, 
important win for Leicester this one, Rob, with, with all that was going on. Well, what was what was Leicester? Then? I mean, they were right in the bottom half of the table, Leicester City, mm-hmm. and and talk about Brendan Rodgers for maybe Manchester United, and and um, you know there was the little bit of talk about him under actually more pressure than you might expect at Leicester City. Oh. By the way, I heard mm-hmm. uh, this morning or yesterday, you know, like. Just, you know, this is not really anywhere near acceptable for Leicester, which I thought was a little bit harsh, given what he's done. And this mm. is his first real bad run, if you like. So really yeah. important for them, important for some of their important players to to start scoring goals again. And I tell you, I'm going to chuck in, Rob. I'm going to chuck in my underappreciated performer. And it's I kind of decided on this, going through some of the highlights that we do, and we, we kind of revisit all the games over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Jamie Vardy. I couldn't have more respect for a player in the Premier League. Like, and I know that part of the question is the, the call to arms or the call of action, whatever we call it on our shows, was like, hmm. which Premier League player are you most thankful for? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think mine might be Jamie Vardy. I mean, and it's not just his incredibly consistent goal scoring and the types of goals that he scores, which are very hmm. similar and on display again in this game with two goals and the run through and the flick over the top and the flicked header. It's just his attitude to the game and the joy on his face when he scores a goal. And by the way, when somebody plays a ball over the top that's not really any good and it runs out of play, mm. he's like that. He's clapping. He's clapping yeah. anything positive. Anybody trying to do the right thing, I just couldn't be more... I'm just so like... If I ever saw him, I'd like... You know what? You're, you're such a flipping an example of an older player coming into the game that loves his game. I'm sure he's made mm. a flipping tons of money in the match, in the, in the, in the sport. He scored a tons of goals, but just his joy to play. And if I was a Leicester City fan, I'd be like, I'd be clapping him every week. Like, you know, this guy is an example of a seasoned pro that's done it at all levels and continues to be as hungry as a flipping 20-year-old kid coming into the team that's running his heart out on his debut. So mm. I'm giving my underappreciated performance to Jamie Vardy because he is underappreciated in terms of his, his also his production but also just his general demeanour, given he's 30, whatever he is, years of age. Time, you know? Yeah, yes. brilliant. So I just I just yeah. give a shout-out to Jamie Vardy, ledge. Yes, good shout, mate. Absolutely good shout. Amongst all these teams, wherever, you know, their, their goal scorers, he's always in there fighting for the, goal, you know, the golden boot. He's always on the shoulder. And you say, I, I saw his first goal. I saw a clip from behind the goal. And, and, he, and he's run off the, off the back of the shoulder is what we know and expect. But any young striker, just take a look at his body as the ball and the goalkeeper come out. He takes a big breath to relax his body. He has a little look get... up as well. He yeah, he looks up early to see the keeper. And then he relaxes it to say, right, I now just have to get it over the goalie and then towards the goal. He doesn't hit it too hard where it's going to go over the top. He doesn't hit it too low where it's going to go in the keeper. He realises I just have to miss the goalkeeper and put it in. And, and, and those little bits are the, are the difference. Those are the bits that Timo Werner we don't see. Timo Werner misses that same chance. Yeah, yeah. Tyler smashes a goalkeeper he goes over the top. Because yeah. he doesn't relax and prepare his body in the way that Vardy does. And for all his speed and tenacity, Jamie Vardy's one of the best at just in that last moment, relaxing himself and finding the right contact to hit the mm. goal. And it's a great shout, uh, appreciate mm. because he's one of them that, that probably won't ever win. Well, apart from the year they won the title, get any player of the year awards. Yeah. But um, certainly, yeah, right up there with the, the appreciated players in the Premier League. All right, my friend, um, let's go on to... Wow. Uh, a story that's getting stronger mm. and stronger. Mm. Um, Aston Villa go to yes. Crystal Palace, who've been in very good form. Two amazing players that we've both had the pleasure, I think, yeah. Stephen Gerrard, when he yeah. was just two of the best, mate. Yeah, play against, and now managers of teams in the Premier League, which is so brilliant to watch. Is something special happening at Aston Villa, or is this a typical manager bump that might be tough to maintain? A special player who's going along the lines to become a special manager is starting his Premier League career, and that's the exciting thing. In all the things that you see, read, hear, so we we know about the puddings that are no longer there, the nutrition, the the ketchup, the mayonnaise. We've heard about the WhatsApp groups, the Instagram groups, where he's sending information on a more modern, current basis than maybe managers in the past. You can imagine him having meetings with players or units individually talking about what he wants, why their standards are, what it what he, it, it, it just smacks up. Everything about Steven Gerrard smacks of a top-class manager. Everything about the way he stands on the side, the way he talks with his coaching staff, the way he gets on at players when he needs to, 
the smiles with the the uh, McGinn's when they scored, and and then the Tyrone Mings is captain. I think we're we're. Stephen Gerrard is on course to becoming a very, very <laughs> good top-class manager. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, again, like we, we totally go over over X sometimes, me and you, and that's okay. That's all good. We, we're a little that's, bit knee-jerk, that's what we, that's what but that's fine, do, my friend. But I, but I agree. I just like listening to him talk. I like him on the sideline. There's enough mm. fired-up action. There's enough composedness in his interviews. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the team right now is enjoying him being the manager. And by the mm. way, how do you even set up a flipping Instagram group? I wouldn't even know how to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know why I'm asking you, the most mm. untech person in the world. But... <laughs> Excuse me. It's, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Can we sorry, please mate. give thanks? Sorry, mate. Thank I'm, I'm sorry, mate. Yeah. No, but I, uh, I, I agree. And we actually had a conversation yeah. on air about it in the, in the Rebecca Lowe's Lowdown show. <laughs> Um, yeah. Same kind of thing towards Stephen Jarber that she talked about the Instagram group and mm. and everything else that he's doing and the ketchup and the puddings. We had a laugh about it. I, I'd never I'd never be able to play for him. I I love my puddings <laughs> and treacle sponge <laughs> yeah. and custard and I think that's all gone on the, on the in the training ground. Mm. So no, um, I, I, it's one of them now where I want to see him. I want to see him play next next in, during a week. Yeah. I want to watch him yeah. really closely. Mm. It's hard for us sometimes to get a real close take on all these teams because we're doing so many games in the same kind of weekend. Um, but no, brilliant story, Stephen Jarrod. <laughs> Really good little little hiccup for for Palace though. Just just on that, yeah. and I said because I, I did, I, I kind of like you said because of the Stephen Gerrard effect. I, I'm pretty much drawn to Villa. So what he did this weekend, Rob, is where he played three um, tight strike uh, midfield players. So he he played uh, McGinn, McCamber, and Ramsey. Very narrow as a three, right. and they kind of worked off each like other. A triangle, like a triangle. Yeah, like a triangle. Two. Yeah. And when one pressed, the other went, they went in behind. They won so many balls in that thing, just 50-50. Do you know as the ball's coming into somebody and you nick it in front of him and go and play from there? Right. He did that so many, which is yeah. very Stephen Gerrard in midfield. If he, if he can't tell you about playing midfield, no one can. It was yep. just little tactics. And you've got Leon Bailey in the team. Ashley Young, I think, started this one with, with Watkins up front. So it was a little different look and he's getting quality in the team and he... Suppose he dropped or rested, however you want to look at it. Danny Ing said he's got a bit of a knock and he wants to get him 100% fit, which, whether rightly or wrongly, that's how he managed that situation. And there's just these little things going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching and I'm taking interest. And, and as you say, listen, because he was a great player and somebody we've known in the game, we, you, you're kind of rooting for him. But I, I, I'm intrigued with his, with his development of, of, of the Premier League, and I'm also intrigued in, in develop when the, a couple of losses come, Rob, because they're going to come. And what what kind of manager is he then? And, and how does he talk to his players? And how does he talk to the media? And how you know what what sort of face? Because he, he he's got a very poker face when he he gets in front of the media. Can he keep that on when there's a little bit of pressure on? Talking about managers and development, let's talk mm. about Rafael Benitez, Robbie Earl. Everton Football Club right now are in 14th position. 15 points at the moment, six points above the relegation zone. Um, a, a chance to get some points on the board against Brentford that have been struggling a little bit. I think four mm. losses in the last five going into yeah. this match. They lose the game, Everton, away at Brentford 1-0. Um, mm. They face a massive, massive Merseyside derby on Wednesday, 2.30pm Eastern time on NBC, NBCSN. What are we to think of Everton right now? Well, what we have to think of Everton is what I first thought when Rafa got the job and I was one of those saying he's up against it, not least because he was a, an ex-Liverpool manager, but, it, you know, it's a team that he's got to show that, he, it, you know, this the Blues mean more than the Reds to him now. So going into a Merseyside derby of all games when this man needs a result, by the way, no wins in the last seven, as you say, dropping down the league, you know, I think was the 11th or 12th they finished last season and uh, under Angelotti, and that was seen as like, you know, we, we've got to get back to being close to that uh, top six and knocking on the door. A hefty defeat against uh, Liverpool, my friend, could turn us going into record-breaking territory of, of another manager looking at, uh, you think? at not being injured. I'm not sure they're that knee-jerk, the Everton uh, ownership group, and, and that they would... But, uh, a big defeat, Rob, won't, won't, won't do his, his, his position any good whatsoever. Um, a lot of that, we can keep talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin not being at the uh, being fit to the football club, and I totally get that, and I totally get that he's a big part of how they play in terms of getting the ball up to him, building from there. But surely they can't just be reliant on the one player? 
that, that that's the only thing that, that that's making them tick. That you know the standards we saw early on with a team that seems very Everton now. You know, first four or five games they go flying, they play some good football, and then do players drop to a level that becomes their norm? I'm not sure if that if that's where Rafa's at, but Rafa's usually great at setting a team up with a plan to nullify the opposition and maybe on the counter attack with a Rondon or a Demari Gray, who obviously wasn't was injured at the weekend. Um, can get them a goal. He's, he's going to have to pull out a, a plan for this one against Liverpool. Yeah, I, mean, I just remember back and Ronald Koeman did get fired, I think, mid-season, Rob, when Everton started mm. to slide slide yeah. towards the relegation zone, which they kind of are right now. I mean, again, I think that would be, that would be very premature. Mm. I, I think that the truth is, um, I know they spent a lot of money on players over recent seasons, Mashiri, um, the majority owner, I just don't think it's a very good squad. So you miss a couple of your really important players, Decore and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, you still should have enough not to lose a, to a Brentford. Um, but I think you're just looking at another mid-table type of Everton. And I know it's frustrating for the Everton fans. Mm. I know they want to be part of a, of an exciting period, like a like this excitement at Aston Villa. You know, there's yeah. excitement at West Ham United. There's no reason why it shouldn't be some exciting for Everton Football Club. And there's been little moments. Remember last year, Robin, James Rodriguez was there, Ricardo Ancelotti yeah. and Decore and Allen, these new players. I'm like, wow, this looks exciting. And the Everton fans are like, of course, we know tons of them. It's like, well, hang on a minute. We're not going to get too excited because we know what's around yeah. the corner. And they were yeah. right. So, again, mm. I think this is a longer-term play for this club to try and find consistent success on the field. Um, that being said, Everton Football Club, looking at my table, down towards Watford and Burnley and Southampton, it's not, it's not a no, good look. And, that's not and where I, they want to be, is it? Yeah, and, and uh, the Merseyside derby, I asked Tim Howell, because Tim, of course, Everton mm. legend, I said, what, what, is, what is kind of unacceptable for them in the, the, the derby? And he said, mm-hmm. well, first of all, it's a given that you give absolutely everything, that yeah. you bite, fight, scrap yeah. for every single loose ball, and because I've loved this game, I love mm. this game. Yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. a great yeah. game. I can't get an iconic game in English football. Reds against mm. Blues. You know, two teams of one great city. Um, so that's the minimum that we got to expect at the weekend, Rob. Of course, we'll we'll see the games. Everton have to give Liverpool a game because mm. Liverpool are in such great form. They could blow them away. Yeah, and blowing away, I think, is a worry for for Rafa and the Everton fans because we've seen with Liverpool. Was it for last week against Arsenal, for this week against Southampton? You know, could easily go to Goodison yeah. Park and, and put four past the defence that, that's not been in good shape. So, yeah, we'll see how Rafa and Everton go on on that one. Uh, just moving on, a couple of more results from the weekend. Norris nil, Wolves nil. So, uh, a point for Dean Smith on, on this one uh, after getting his victory last weekend. So, a little bit of, a little bit of form, catching up a little bit with, 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 with the team against, you know, a Wolves team that were in decent nick themselves. Saw a bit of this game. Uh, Jose Sol came up with a couple of good saves, actually, for Wolves. Yeah, uh, yeah. The goalkeeper that um, denied Norris getting a, another three points. So, I'm sure Dean Smith will be pretty pretty happy with things so far. He's gone down. Looks like he, he's made an impression. Looks like he, he's got the players on side now. Uh, Billy Gilmore, again, um, I saw was, was heavily involved in the, some of the best work that Norris did. So, yeah. Encouraging times, I think, for Dean Smith and, and, and Norwich. Yeah, same as you, Rob. I, I saw the highlights. I saw some mm. of the game. I saw Max Ahrens go through with a yeah. brilliant chance to score. I saw Tim Apuka go through and should have done better. That was close to winning the game there, Rob. Mm. Another three points for Norwich if they had won that game. Brings them up to 11. Yeah. Really within striking Level distance with, with the yeah. Leeds and, and, Leeds, and the Watford yeah. teams like that. For a team that I think most people thought, oh, they just haven't got enough quality. Dean Smith's made mm. an impact. You know, That's, yeah, a, that's sure. a win and a draw. And this game, Really, really, really could have been three points for them and mm. more three points against a good Wolves team. So, yep, well done. But I, yeah. I think a, a, an opportunity lost, given the way they played and the chances they created. Not a ton of them, but one mm. really, really great chance. Shame. One, one more game, mate, where I have to say, I, I, I watch this game and, and obviously uh, we're both into you know the different personalities, different coaches, different ways of, of working. We both have talked uh, very highly uh, uh, of Graham Potter and the work he's done at Brighton over the last 18 months to get Brighton where they are, sitting eighth to the table. We've talked to Marcelo Bielsa, certainly last season, you know, what Leeds brought to the Premier League and what an introduction they've been. Not quite got, got off to uh, off to the races this, this year and, and, and sit just above the relegation zone now, just three points uh, above that bottom three. 
Well, it was one of those head scratches, Rob, where at the end of the game, I couldn't quite believe I was hearing boos from from Brighton fans after the, a, a nil-nil draw with Leeds, um, based on, on everything we've seen. A Brighton team that now sit level on points with Manchester United, and, and they're getting booed. I just couldn't get my, my head around that. And, and then from Leeds' point of view, Rob, I, I'm scratching my head a little bit saying, where are that Leeds we yeah. saw yes, last year? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't seem to be there at the moment. Is it too simplistic? And I'll get back to Graham Potter. Mm. Is it too simplistic? And, and again, we had a chat about this. I chatted with Tim Howard about this. Like, yeah. is there a cumulative effect of unbelievable mm. demands put upon you from your manager in terms of, Basically, running, yeah, like work yeah. and demanded and mm. stuff. Not just the Premier League last year, which are incredible yeah. given yeah. the numbers and stats that they produced, but even seasons before that. Is yeah. that too simplistic, Rob, or, or is it miss, is it the missing players, Patrick Bamford's and and Luke Ayling that are still out, or is it a combination? I think, I think of it's them? a combination of, of some. It was interesting. So this game, Brighton dominated possession, played great football, had good chances. Mo missed, missed a couple of missed a lot of chances. Yeah, missed a lot of chances, and you're kind of thinking. Ah, Brighton had a centre-forward call, where would they be? And then you think, well, Leeds are soon. If they had their centre-forward, Bamford, and obviously Aileen's another miss for the back, but everything feels like, oh, if Bamford was playing. But I kind of, as I was watching the game, I was thinking, right now I'd rather have Brighton's disappointment than Leeds' disappointment, because Brighton are doing, playing great football, they're expecting goals that are way up there, they've just got to find a better concentration, or at some point go and finding Ivan Tony or one of those who can turn some of those chances into goals because then we're talking about a team that could seriously be top eight, challenging top six with, with their possession and the way they play. For, from Lee's point of view, Rob, I'm a little bit scratching my head because there's, there's a few bits that aren't working. And I, and I, and I was kind of went back to my, my, my thought last season when a few Leeds fans came and criticised when I sort of said about the defending and He's got to tweak it a little bit. He can't just keep saying, mm. like, this is how we are. Because I said, this is Premier League and he's conceding goals. And people say, well, this is Bielsa. This is the way he's going to play. Well, that's OK until you're not playing so well. And then now some of those tweaks are important that your team are playing because they've lost their intensity. Their possession's not anywhere near as good as it was. No. Um, players are playing, you know, I'm seeing more of Jack Harrison running back chasing fullbacks like Lamptey, then I am seeing him go past people, Rob. Mm. And again, I don't know if that becomes a mindset. Is it a, a physical or mental tiredness that comes because of, oh, I'm here again. I've got to go up and down again. You know, do the miles on the clock start to add up? I shouldn't think so of somebody that young, 25 yeah. years of age at the start, in the, right at the, at the peak of his career. Yeah. I used to think in those days, you feel like you can run all day. Mm. Maybe one or two are working out. All I could say is, as I was thinking about it, Back in the day, my Wimbledon team that you knew, you'd know how we used to work and we used to play. We're going to get it up. We're going to get it wide. We're going to get it in the box. After a while, some people start to work that out and say, OK, mm. we're going to play centre-backs as full-backs. So they're not going to ping those balls out wide. We're going to defend the box better. So they're not going to win those headers. I wonder if there's a bit of, OK, we know what Leeds are going to do flying forward and bringing bodies. But on the other end, can we take our full-backs further? You know, what's going to happen to those wide players? You know, can we drag those those uh, centre-backs on the man-to-man and get holes down the middle of the pitch? I, I'm just thinking as if things that Leeds maybe have to start to think of. As great as Bielsa is, and listen, I'm a Bielsa fan, believe you me, but this Premier League challenges you, Rob. If you're Pep Guardiola or if you're Marcelo Bielsa, you have to adapt to, to this league. Uh, I agree in some of that. I still believe that it will be dangerous for Bielsa to, to, to abandon what they're great at and to go mm. zonal as a zonal back four and to go two banks of four and to go more traditional. Yeah, Just to be I'm fair, not, nearly every yeah, other that's, team that's in too English. too far the other way. But is this something a little in between? Rob? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Calvin Phillips is a really interesting one because I, I saw the game. I was watching the game. For one, he didn't look fit. He, he was hobbling during the first half. And then it was a knock he got. I know he, yeah. he'd had this head incident. Chewy looked at his body language, looked like he was unhappy in himself. He, his yeah. body language wasn't good, Rob. Now, I don't yeah. know if that's because yeah. he's playing centre-back in a three, that he wants to play more in midfield, or... I don't know. 
and 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 I I can only look at players like you. I've played with teammates and I've seen them, and I know you're in a good mood today. I don't, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. But Calvin Phillips had one of those days on him, and he came off at half time. We're yet to see whether it was tactical or injury. Yeah. But again, that's just a little example of, of a key player who was brilliant last season. Who hasn't quite got going at all this year. To be fair, I thought Leeds were better in the second half. Rob made a couple of substitutions. Mm. Pascal Strout came on. Yeah, Phillips' role as yeah. he went out. Um, they're a little bit better and a little bit more like it. But mm. no, I, I think I think you're spot on. I think Jack Harrison is nowhere near the same production. Um, other players, well, Matthias Dan Kick James, hasn't been the Dan same. James hasn't really, Dan James hasn't really got one it. goal, is it, in no. the Premier League, I think, for yeah. Leeds. Yeah. Last time out, I believe it was. So, yeah, work to do for Leeds United. Mm. Um, just quickly back on that. I mean, Graham Potter... I mean, he's almost laughing to himself and shaking his head yeah. at the crowd. Mm. Really? Like, we did everything right apart from put the ball back in there. And by the way, sneaky, underappreciated that that I almost went for. Uh, just Vardy. I just had to love him when I saw Vardy's goals again. Like, God, this guy. Uh, Elan Melier, the goalkeeper. He made yeah. a couple of fingertip mm. saves onto yeah, the post. Two, on one, two, didn't he? Yeah. And one on, one I mean, he, he made like yeah. two or three really great saves for Leeds United. So it could have been worse um, for them. This young goalkeeper, I think, is going to be really, really good. So, just a shout-out to Melier. But, no, Brighton are doing very, very good. Yeah. And Leeds, it's a worry. Sixth, 17th right now, just three points from the, the drop mm. zone with teams like Burnley, particularly Burnley, above yeah, them. They'll get wins, won't they? Yeah, Burnley will get wins. wins yeah. at some yeah. point and yeah. put, put Leeds in trouble. So, yeah, plenty of work to do for Leeds United. Yeah. Plenty of work to do indeed. Uh, it's a good weekend, my friend, where Manchester United went to lead us Chelsea. Gave them plenty to think about in a good 1-1 draw elsewhere. Man City survived in the snow. Liverpool shone at Anfield. We're going to be back on Thursday. That's December the 2nd after the midweek fixtures uh, on match day 14. It sees both the Merseyside Derby on Wednesday and I think possibly Ralph Rangnick's first game in charge of things go to final of Manchester United. They're at home to Arsenal on Thursday. But well, for now, I'm Earl. He's Musty, together with his two Robbies. Thanks for watching and listening. Be safe and stay healthy. It's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. Good night.